This podcast is part of the Podbelly Network. Please visit podbelly.com to see a complete listing of all of our other shows. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries. Eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Polly and their dog Ninja. What are you doing here? Don't you know Jerry and Tracy live here? They're coming. They hear you. They're here. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 88 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry, and I'm joined by my lovely wife, Tracy. Hello, everybody. She is freshly back from a nice little four-day trip to Gatlinburg while I had to work nonstop, like a basically uh, coal miner. Yep, that's what you need to do. Right? I guess so. Yeah. You know you know you enjoyed your time without me. I did. I did enjoy it. I knew you would. But I worked the whole time. Even oh, well, honey, it's all you you do is you work nonstop. Regardless. But Man. I had a great time in Gatlinburg with uh, my daughter and grandkids, and it was a lot of fun. The first two days, were, the weather was perfect. This morning, it was kind of nasty and rainy, so um, we just decided to come on home, but we had a great, great time. It's nice that everybody tuned in to hear the weather. No. And it wasn't even current weather to help anything. It was past weather. Yeah, I know. You got a chance to meet uh, a listener. Yes, I did. Um, Joe was super nice. Mr. Joe Pulley was amazingly very nice man. I met a couple of his friends. Uh, he, uh, Him and his friends actually told me a couple of good uh, ghost stories. And uh, so I, I'm trying to get him on the listener show and everything like that. But he was very sweet. You and, know, Joe's uh, already been on the listener show. Well, his other friends have not. Oh, I got you. Yeah, and I'm trying to get them to come on because they had some really good stories as well. Um, but yeah, it was great. Loved it. Yeah, if you're if you're a Patreon subscriber, you've heard our episode where uh, Joe from Gatlinburg actually came on and was talking about the fires down there and what mm-hmm. they, you know, some of the stories from from when that actually took yeah. place and. And talking about the place that he's at it used to be a theater. It's the old, one of the oldest, I think, the oldest uh, theater that was in town mm-hmm, and at mm-hmm. one point. So, a bunch of cool stories. There. Yeah, it's been a couple of things. I think it was a, a funeral home as well. And uh, yeah, some of the stuff he was telling me was was pretty creepy. So, it was very interesting though. We've got some cool stuff for you guys tonight. First and foremost, we always want to start off with the same thing. Thanks to all of our. Military and first responders, no matter what country you're serving and uh, doing your work for, we greatly appreciate you guys. Yeah, and uh, special prayers out to the people in Germany today that lost their lives because of some idiot. And uh, we uh, are praying for you guys, and uh, I don't know. Also, there was a major tragedy in Canada that I want to uh, say a little special thoughts. There was a junior hockey team 
uh, on a bus, 29 people on a bus. Uh, I don't know the ages, but I think they were all like 15, 16 years old and a semi-tractor trailer <gasps> in uh, Saskatchewan. Uh, plowed into it in the last report there was 15 of the 29 dead and oh three my gosh i had so. no idea about that oh my goodness well special prayers out to them that's just terrible you know it it, it sucks but when you know we we get we get to sit and tell ghost stories and talk about stuff like that and then you see stuff like that and you just like realize how much is going on in the world i mean and those are just two instances i'll guarantee there's Stories oh that big all over the place that we didn't hear about. And, you know, that is so weird that you said that because on our way up here, Kristen was commenting to me. She's like, I mean, has the world always been this terrible and we just didn't know it? Or is this a new thing? I think it actually probably has been. But, but there's we didn't more have social media, media and everything exactly, now. So exactly. We- That's so funny that you said that. But, gosh, our, our prayers are with everybody that was involved in that. That's just terrible. So, we need to uplift the story a little bit, because I don't want to get down and depressed. Well, I got news for you. The story's not going to be the one to do it for you. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> but, I will say this. Let's uh, let's start off with some positives. We had some yeah. good iTunes reviews and Patreon Man, supporters this we week. we sure so did. Tracy will uh, take the time to oh, now tell you about perfect. those. Uh, citrus sunshine. Well, honey, we could use some of that around here, that's for sure. More weather. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> But I love that name. Uh, TTR Girl 22, Katie Q, Sylvia and Mark, Renee J. You guys left such awesome reviews. We can't thank you guys enough. It was so fun reading all that stuff. So but thank you again for taking your time out to do that. And uh, we had some Patreon supporters this week at uh, Katrina Salomons. Salomons? That sounds right, right? That sounds about right. Okay. Jess Walker and Lindsay Westcott. Thank you guys so, so, so much. We appreciate you more than you ever know. And you get a new Patreon episode coming out next week. Yes. Yes. I have no idea what it's going to be on yet. But we'll I'm, get it. But I am leaning on true crime, though. I found Are a, you? I found a story that I think was a little bit uh, not as known mm-hmm. as some stories I've heard out there, but it was kind of a fascinating story. So, Well, good. I can't wait to hear it. I'm sure you can't. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys again so much. We appreciate all of you guys and all of you listeners. We just love you, every one of you. Now, this show is going to be a little bit different than some of the other shows we've done or most of the other shows, with the exception of one. Uh, if you remember, we had Justin Rimmel come on mm-hmm. and tell us the story of Donnie Decker, the Rain Man. Yes. And then we had our friend Chris Cogswell come on from the Mad Scientist podcast and try to debunk it. Right, right. So it was, you know, that was kind of a unique situation for us to have the story and then have somebody on to debunk it. Well, we're going to do something similar tonight because we're going to do the Whispers Estate. Mm-hmm. It's in a, a place up in Indiana uh, called Mitchell, Indiana. And we're going to tell you the story. But then as I was doing research for this, I came across something I usually don't find. I came across a a YouTube video Mm -hmm. from um, a place called, well, it's the YouTube channel, but it's also the name of the group, Oddity Files. Oh, cool. And I fell in love with this little group. Mm -hmm. I mean, most of these things, I don't really get into the the ghost hunter type paranormal investigations. And I don't mean the big shows. But I'm talking about just like the standard local groups that come in and do this. And, okay. But 
I really like this group because they were fun. They had personality. And the young lady, Kitsy Duncan, uh, who runs it, it's her, her son, who looks like he's about 15, Mm -hmm. but he's 22. Mm -hmm. And one of their longtime family friends, they're the group. And it's just, I thought it was unique uh, chemistry. And she's like sassy. And Mm -hmm. and it was just, I just liked it. So they spent a couple of nights in here and they had a bunch of experiences. So I thought, okay, I think I'll bring her on and have her talk about uh, some of the stuff. Because this place is a little bit controversial. Okay. And I thought, well, let's bring her on and let's see, you know, what her thoughts were on it. Because I know she really had some good experiences up there. But also during the course of this uh, investigation work, I investigate, like I'm doing some shit. <laughs> the research that I was doing, <laughs> I ran across a completely different setup. A guy by the name of Chris Weber, and he's uh, he's got a podcast and also a, a YouTube channel called Paranormal Skeptic Academy. And what he does is he's this goes back years, like since like 2012, I think. Mm-hmm. He's been doing this for a long time. And when the Ghost Hunter shows really started becoming hot, he decided, hey, we're going to pick one of these shows. Like they might do Ghost Hunters. Uh, at Waverly, for okay. example, because that's one of the ones that he actually did. And he would basically kind of narrate the show. Hey, here's what they did. Here's why it doesn't make sense. It's just strictly from a skeptic viewpoint. And then he would talk about what, you know, why would they say this? And this seems hypocritical based on what they said earlier, based on that. But it's done in a way way better than what I'm describing it. It's mm-hmm. very entertaining. But during the course of the research, they had a video. The skeptic, uh, Paranormal Skeptic Academy had a video on the Whisper Estates. Because if you remember Chad Lindbergh and uh, John E.L. Tenney, when they were with the uh, Ghost Stalkers, they went there. And that just happened to be one of the episodes that he covered. So I thought it would be cool to have somebody on who... Had great experiences, 100% believer, and then also have somebody on that was a complete skeptic of the place mm-hmm. and just hear what each of them had oh, to say. Yeah. And uh, obviously, these interviews have already been done, and I can tell you both of them are fantastic. Well, good. Yeah, I got exactly what I wanted out of both of them. So I think this show is going to be unique in the fact that we're going to tell you the whole story. You're going to have somebody tell you why they think it's true, and then you're going to have somebody tell you why they think it might be false. Oh, very so, good. Without further ado, adieu. Did you see? Even though I said that word, a doing. Uh, did you see that uh, Dr. Evil made an appearance the other night on Jimmy Fallon? No. Yeah. Mike Myers came back out. So if you get a chance, if you like Dr. Evil, and I'm a huge Dr. Evil fan, just look it up. It's out there all over the place. Just look up Dr. Evil on Jimmy Fallon. Oh, cool. Really Y'all had cool, to check so. that out. All right. Whispers Estates is a 3,700 square feet. That's 343 square meters. It's a mansion in uh, Mitchell, Indiana, as we discussed, about 45 minutes from Bloomington, where the University of Indiana is. It's a Victorian-style home. It's got a big, large wraparound porch on the front of it, typical Southern-type mm-hmm. you know, place. It's got these two concrete uh, angel statues, like when you're oh, walking nice. through. There's not really a gate, but as you're walking at the pathway to mm-hmm. come up towards the house, they sit out front. So, And after you hear this, you'll probably know why they're out there, because they probably need to be doing some praying for you. Oh. Yeah. Inside the place, I mean, it's got all this beautiful Victorian-style furniture and antiques and stuff like that. It's got stained glass. 
uh, crystal chandeliers, a couple of them in the place. I mean, it's really done to look the part of when the house was built, which brings us to an interesting point. This house was built, the oldest data going back is 1894. Mm -hmm. Now, if you look at a lot of the history up on this house, even on the actual Whispers website, they say that 1899 is when it was built. Okay. The information I found said that it was built in 1895 or 1894 by a Dr. George and Sarah White. And then in 1899, somewhere between 1899 and 1901, it was sold to Dr. John Gibbons and his wife, Jessie. And that's pretty much where the story is going to start with them. So some places have it as it was built when they bought it. And then others says that it was built before that. But so that's what we got right now. And and there's some uh, discrepancies in dates. Some places say he bought it in 1899. Some places say it was 1901. So it is what it is. But I figured I'd throw both of the dates out there rather than just stick with one. So Dr. John Gibbons and his wife, Jesse, according to the story, they moved in. They loved to adopt children that were either abandoned or orphans. That's so, nice. Yeah, it's a good, good, nice you know, way to start the story. Yeah. Unfortunately, it doesn't stay nice. Where we're going to start our story Supposedly, according to the the uh, records that are out there, the Gibbons actually had three children that they had adopted. Now, the true records out there only prove one of them, but everybody says there was three at the time. Dr. Gibbons was actually a pretty prominent doctor, and his office was in the first floor uh, of this building. Now, considering medical practices at this time, back in the early 1800s, it's possible that several people may have died in the house that was patients of his. Because keep in mind, the hospital wasn't really closed, so people would come here early 1800s. Mm-hmm. You know, the, even if there was some kind of minor surgery or something to be done, it would have all been done in the house. Oh. <laughs> you sounded surprised. Well, I guess I am a little bit. I mean, you've seen Little House on the Prairie and stuff. Well, that's true. But I'm like, if you said minor surgery, though, so nothing big. Yeah. This may come as a complete surprise to you, but uh, I didn't exactly look up his resume to find out what kind of practice he ran or what kind yeah. of surgeries he did or mm-hmm. didn't see a menu, price list, not like that. But I do know that even though there really wasn't specialties back then, he did tend to lean more towards like pediatrics. So there was okay. a lot of children and stuff that went through. Now, there are six confirmed deaths in the house with several others rumored to have died. So we'll stick with what we know. So let's go back to the adopted children first. Ten-year-old Rachel and her twin brother, Enos. And then there was a, an infant by the name of Elizabeth. Those were the three children, okay? Disaster struck, unfortunately, on Christmas Day, 1912. It was early in the morning. Ten-year-old Rachel, she kind of snuck downstairs. She wanted to take a peek at her Christmas present that were under the tree before anybody got up. Somehow, some way, she got too close to an open flame, caught herself on fire, and it caused a, a huge fire down there in the parlor room that's right in the front of the house. Oh, how terrible. Now, we know that this happened, but exactly how is still a little bit of a question mark. Some say that she knocked over a, a lantern, and that's what started the fire, and then the process of that uh, burnt herself. Others say that this was during a time when people actually had lit candles on their Christmas trees. Okay, that's dumb. But people did do it, dumb or not. That's dumb. 
Okay. Go ahead. We I can, know. We, we, still... we can agree know. it's dumb, but, <laughs> but people did it. Okay. You know. Okay. Dumb. So, Go ahead. So, as I was saying, people at this time still would put candles, lit candles on their tree mm-hmm. instead of Christmas lights and stuff like that. And they think that possibly while she was looking at her Christmas gifts that one of these made contact with her clothing and unfortunately that's what happened regardless of how it happened the end result was still the same uh, she suffered immense burns all over most of her body mm-hmm. uh, and she passed away two days later in an upstairs bedroom oh my gosh poor thing well it, it's not going to get any better from there because tragedy wasn't over for the uh, the Gibbons family shortly after Rachel's tragic death 10 month old Elizabeth died in a master bedroom of unknown causes the family obviously was devastated by the deaths of two of the three adopted children. During the grieving process, apparently Jesse, obviously the the adopted mom, um, took it the hardest, and this thing just took its toll on her. And shortly after 10-month-old Elizabeth's death, Jesse developed a really severe case of pneumonia and passed away due to uh, respiratory complications. Wow. In the same room that Elizabeth passed away in. Mm. Two years later, Rachel's twin brother Enos also passed away from an unknown cause at the age of 12 years old. What the heck is going on? I don't know, but they need to be doing some background checks on these people. I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah, he's a shitty doctor. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> But yeah, they apparently can't keep anybody in the house alive, unfortunately. No, yeah. So. So aside from those four, the other two confirmed deaths are a small boy that fell down some steps. Uh, and I think this was after the doctors, uh, the doctor had moved out, but he fell down the steps and he died from his injuries that he sustained during the fall. And then the last was a man that was in his late fifties, early sixties that died in one of the upstairs bathrooms. The reason for his death is unknown, but it was mainly thought to be from natural causes. So we're going to jump ahead way in advance now. In 2006, the house was actually bought by a gentleman by the name of Jared Marshall. It had been vacant for about two years up to this point, and he wanted to turn it into a bed and breakfast, as so many people try to do yeah. at these places. But keep in mind, there were no stories of it being haunted at this time. Oh. And we'll get into that a little more in one of our interviews. Okay. So during the renovation, uh, Marshall pulled up some carpet to expose the hardwood floors, right? Mm-hmm. What he found underneath the carpet in the parlor room was some press board on the parlor floor. And then when he pulled it up, there were actually burns and everything on the floor from oh, that man. day at Christmas 1912. There was also burn marks on a pocket door that was uh, kind of hidden for a long time. It was in between the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I mean, not the kitchen, the dining room and the parlor room. Oh, wow. So there's still proof even today there's still burn marks. Oh, my gosh. From that place in 1912. Poor little thing. So what happens when people start doing renovations in a place like that? Mm-hmm. You start getting occurrences. More times than not, it's like the construction or renovation yeah. ticks something off. So he started to experience these strange occurrences uh, that only increased as it became a bed and breakfast. He experienced some loud pounding at the doors, and this was almost right away from the time he bought the place. He would hear a child's voice, a child singing, and footsteps. The woman he bought the house from told him that 
there was a little girl who haunted the house. But I think she told him that after he bought the house. Probably a good move. Well, yeah. I probably wouldn't say anything before. <laughs> At one point, there was a contractor that came in to do some work. And uh, one day when he was in there, he said there was a sudden drop in the temperature. Mm-hmm. And he heard a child uh, kept saying, Mommy. Aww. So that kind of spooked him out a little bit. Not once, but twice. Remember that I said this. Not once, but twice. Uh, Marshall actually had water leaking to the downstairs. And when he went up to check on the cause, guess what he finds? What? The cast iron clawfoot bathtub, upside down, <gasps> water pouring from the busted pipes that led to the tub. What in the world? Not once, but twice. <laughs> that would be annoying. <laughs> Those things weigh a ton. Oh, gosh, yeah. So then some other things that he had happened. A few days before Christmas, he was awoken, awakened. We'll never get that straight. By a nauseating smell of smoke and burning flesh. Oh, my gosh. Wow. In 2006, he put the house up for sale. (laughs) Go figure. And once he had listed it, police came to his door. And they asked him if there was a a child in the home. And he said, no, there's no child in the home. And they said, well, that was odd because 9-11 dispatch had received a call from that house. And the operator heard a child screaming in the background. What in the world? And he was the only one home. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, no. There was a couple who came to look at the house, considering buying it. And uh, they told Marshall that they saw his daughter upstairs and that uh, they could tell she was not very happy about selling the house because she refused to talk to him. Marshall didn't have a daughter living at home. The buyers or the people that were going to buy the house? Yeah, they saw a little girl upstairs and they wouldn't talk to her. She wouldn't talk to him. So they told Marshall that they met his daughter on an assumption. Wow, oh, man. So how cool is that? Yeah. He's so like, the, um, your daughter is really rude. So there were several <laughs> times when Marshall or guests would hear Rachel or Jesse, uh, or even Dr. Gibbons himself, whisper, either from like a distance or right up in their ear. So Marshall decided to name the place. Whispering. Whispering. Oh, how clever. Not really. He heard whispers all the time. It Mm. really was not that clever. Well, I thought it was. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll agree to disagree. So the current owner, a person by the name of Van Rainier, visited the the, for the first time in 2007 before she, you know, he bought the place. I don't know if it's a guy or a girl. Mm -hmm. I know that's bad, but I really don't know. Yeah. I tried to look it up and I couldn't figure it out. No, I mean, it's, it's like Pat. Right. It's a Van Rainier, so I'm assuming it's, it's a, a guy. Yeah. I'm assuming it's a guy, but yeah. I didn't want to just make assumptions, even though I did. So, anyways, we'll say it's a we'll say it's a he. And if I'm wrong, somebody I'm sure will write me. In 2007, um, came to the house to do like uh, you know some investigating, and Rainier experienced some howling, an old woman cackle. And a strong smell of medicine. That's weird. Random. Like NyQuil or, you know, could have been a cherry cough drop. They're not bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, Veneer also heard a child singing a song that uh, that he said was very similar to Ring Around the Rosie. Uh-huh. That's a weird song when you think about it. There's a lot of kids' songs and bedtime stories that are really bizarre. If you really sit and think about the words. I don't understand... Here we go around the mulberry bush because I've only seen mulberry trees. Oh, I've I'm never sure seen bushes. 
Well, it's like saying there's an apple bush. Apples grow on trees. Well, that, Mulberries grow on trees. Yeah. So, get over know. it. I'm sure I'll have. Get over it. A horticulturist tell me. They that. need to. You need to know the truth. <laughs> so, the first day that uh, Rainier owned the home, he saw a sudden flash of like blue light, and then all the bulbs and the chandelier blew out all at once. Wow. Yeah, that would be my last day of ownership. Um, probably so. <laughs> Most of the home's activity is attributed to Rachel, as you could imagine. She can be seen running around the home. Uh, there's one instance, and this is actually my favorite story of the whole thing. There's one instance when a visitor actually brought a doll and laid it on the bed. Left, went and did some things, comes back. And when she got back, she noticed that the doll was gone. And she said out loud, hey, I'd like to see that doll again. And then there was the sound of something like being thrown down the steps. Mm-hmm. And they went to the bottom of the steps and the doll was there, but it had been burned. <gasps> no. Now there's another version of that story that actually says, the lady says, you know, hey, I'd like to know what you look like. And that's when the doll appeared. So there is some discrepancy yeah. on whether she asked to just have the doll back or see what she looks like. But either way, the doll was burned and that burnt doll now sits on the bureau of the bedrooms. There, no if you way. Yep. And she didn't even get to see what she got for Christmas after all that. Well, I'm sure she was able to see it. Oh, that makes me really sad. Ugh. It is sad. So there's sounds of an old-time radio mm-hmm. that will you'll hear playing through the place. Uh, you can hear Elizabeth crying, and you can hear Dr. Gibbons' laughter. I don't know how they know it's his laughter. But yeah, how do they know that? We get And I get into that in one of the interviews, too. Oh. So. Um, he also likes to grope women. Well, hell, he's a man, ain't he? <laughs> Even in the Dead afterlife. Dead or alive, they still, they're still nasty. <laughs> in the master bedroom where Jesse died uh, and Elizabeth died, there is, I guess, a very similar accounts of guests waking up in the middle of the night and they can't breathe. And they're coughing really bad. Of course, keep in mind... She died of pneumonia and respiratory problems. Oh, okay. I was going to say because yeah. maybe because of the little girl catching on fire. Yeah. So this was that. This was in the master bedroom, and then uh, they, some people say that they feel like when they wake up that something's setting on their chest. Mm-hmm. So that would go right in with the pneumonia. And, yeah. And all that stuff. The other problem that people have is there's numerous reports of the doorknob uh, in that room jiggling mm-hmm. a lot, mm-hmm. and then the door will actually pop open sometimes. Wow. So you just lay there, and there you go. You're exposed. Now, the attic room, actually, technically, there's rooms up there, but guests report doorknobs jiggling there as well, but they also report nightmares, and that gets tied into something else we'll talk about here in just a second. There's also been reports of scratches and bites. In Dr. Gibbon's bathroom, there are earthquake-like tremors, so the room just shakes. Hmm. I don't know how that happens without the rest of the house happening, Yeah. But- that's well, what happens up there. All I know is anything that has to do with an attic is creepy, no matter what. <laughs> Couches and beds visibly shake to where, like, if you're on them, you know it, and anybody watching it can see it. So, that could be, like, one of those things you put a quarter in. Yeah, could be. Some people set up recording equipment, like video recording equipment, uh-huh. and they'll set it in a specific place to, to catch one area, and it'll get moved so it's... 
off of the intended area. That happens quite regularly. So when they'll, they'll go back to get the video camera and they'll see that it's pointing in a different oh, direction. Dang. There's a wooden door to the servants' quarters that actually slams shut. And then there's lots of phantom scents, such as men's cologne or aftershave, uh, cigar smoke, and rotting meat. And this one's a different one, cabbage. I don't know where cabbage came from. Cabbage smells like stinky feet. Maybe somebody had stinky feet. It's possible. Up in Elizabeth's room, which was the master bedroom, you can also smell baby powder. Mm. Just random times it'll pop up. So this is going to bring us to the last two things that I want to talk about. The first is Big Black. Big Black is an entity that is basically a big black shadow. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know if it's technically a shadow man or something Mm -hmm. a little bit bigger and deeper, which we'll get into when we get into Waverly, too, because there's an entity there that's kind of like that same thing. Oh, (laughs) great. Can hardly wait. Psychics say that it's not from this world. So nobody really has a good feeling about this entity. Um, it's most commonly seen in a doctor's rooms, but it has been seen throughout, but mainly in a doctor's rooms. And that's also where people, the women get groped and they can hear him laughing and stuff. So it's like he's still what a has jerk. place. The last thing we're going to talk about is something that you don't hear very often, but some believe that there's an, a vortex in the house that runs up the front parlor, up to the attic room. And the attic room is said to be, without a doubt, the most active in the entire house. All these rooms up in the attic. So you have a seance room up there. People said they get really weird images when they're trying to photograph the mirror. Oh, that'd be cool to do, though. Then there's a middle room. People say that when you go in there, there's a feeling of not being welcome and like you're being pushed out. And then there's the Red Room. The Red Room has a ghost called, now brace yourself, because this is pretty creative, Man in the Attic. (laughs) (laughs) EVPs have been heard to say, get out. Uh, Some see a dark shadow kind of bleed out of the room, you know, just kind of like a... Yep. And then others say they see this low-to-the-ground creature slither around. Nice. And that is the story of the Whispers estate. Sounds pretty cool. I wouldn't mind going to see that. Well, it's close enough where we could do it. So Yeah. Now, it is important to bring up, it was a bed and breakfast at one time, but it no longer is a Oh, bed yeah. Breakfast. I was going to ask you that, if it's yeah. still. It's not a bed and breakfast anymore. And you can, like, rent the place and go do investigations and stuff like that. And actually, from what I've heard, it's really not that expensive, comparatively speaking. So... Really cool. So what I want to do is I want to bring on our first guest, Kitsy Duncan, from the Oddity Files. She had a great time up there, and uh, we'll end up posting the link to her video so you can see it. It's oh, about an neat. hour long, but it's really cool because the lady who is the, um, I guess, tour guide, mm-hmm. she gives some tour, and you get to hear some of her tour and hear some of it, and you get to see some of the place, and then you get all the other paranormal stuff, but... Very I cool. think you're really going to like Kitsy. She's a uh, she's a firecracker, to say the least. Well, good. Yeah, she's got a fantastic personality, and she's not your typical ghost hunter, so uh-huh. you'll see what I mean. So let's take a listen to Kitsy Duncan. All right, 
We are joined on the phone by a paranormal investigator out of Indiana by the name of Kitsy Duncan. Kitsy, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself? I can't complain. Let me tell everybody how I came across you. Okay. So I'm doing the research for this episode on on Whisper Estates, and I'm looking at I don't know, probably 15 different videos that were on YouTube. That's part of the research that I do. And I came across one that said oddity files. And I thought, well, this looks interesting. And then as I start watching it and I'm watching, it's kind of like uh, th- these investigators are in the house and the lady who gives the tours and stuff is is telling them stuff. And then it turns into watching some of the investigation stuff. But there's this little sassy blonde in the video (laughs) (laughs) and and i and the whole time i'm watching this i'm like this is not like the normal paranormal investigators i see and i really loved your attitude and your attitude kind of came across and and you cursed a little bit and and it just i don't know it just it really hit me as wow this is my type of paranormal investigator so i reached out to her and said, hey, I'm doing an episode on Whispers Estate. You've been there. I'd really like to get your take on it. And that's how you got to be on the show. Well, first and foremost, I am blushing. That was the best intro ever. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) And yes, I am not your average paranormal investigator. Um, I am completely sassy and swear a lot, as we've discussed. And, um, you know, we're really, I really want to get the evidence. That's pretty much all it boils down to. That's what oddity files is. I know there's something out there. I come to find out by doing this. I don't know whether you believe in it or not, but I'm apparently an empath. I have people speaking to me in my head. I call it my crazy. Some people call it, you know, spirit mediumship. I don't even know what it is, but I'm just kind of going with the flow. And when, the crazy in my head tells me something and it comes out that this is what's really happened there. It just blows my mind. But yes, oddity files. It's something I started eight years ago um, and instantly turned it into a web series because I had a video editing background and I needed a hobby. So that's what it turned into. And it's kind of over the years kind of morphed into what it is today where it's myself, my son and a very close friend of the family. And we go into these notoriously haunted locations. But when we do, we don't go in to find out, you know, the big story, the story everybody talks about. We go in to see what kind of evidence we get. And nine times out of 10, it's, it's a story but it's not the story that everybody knows. And I live for that shit. That is my MO. I want to go there. I want to find out the story about the servant girl that was in this mansion that everybody's only seen, you know, Mr. So-and-so who owned the mansion. I want to find out about the servant girl who lost her life after giving birth. You know, I mean, these are the stories I want to tell. So let me ask you this. You said you've been doing this for about eight years. How do you get to the places that you're going to? Like, is do you do regular investigations? Like, if somebody sends you a message and say, "Hey, I think my house is haunted," or do you typically just say, "Hey, this place has a reputation. I think we're going to head out there and shoot some video." Nine times out of ten, it's a, "Hey, have you heard of this place?" No, I haven't. I look into it, and 
I'm like, oh, I want to go to there. Um, we've actually just today, I had a very close friend of mine call me about investigating her house. So that's happened twice, to be perfectly honest. We usually go to these notoriously haunted locations just to, because that's where the activity is. I live off the activity, but I, I, I want to get the evidence and throw it up on YouTube so people like you can find it and go, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and it definitely is pretty cool. I like the way your setup is different. I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of, when I'm researching these things, there's a lot of paranormal type shows out there with, uh, and I'm not talking the big ones. I'm talking about similar to what you do to where, okay, it's the Whisper House. Well, there's 10 different videos of your uh, just local paranormal uh, groups that go out there and shoot the video. And to be honest with you, I hate them. I very seldom ever watch more than five minutes of one before I turn it off and switch to something else. I would rather have the documentary type where somebody's telling me the story of what went on. Yours was completely different because it did captivate me. And it was because it was entertaining. I don't find most of the other ones entertaining, but yours was very entertaining. And at the same time, I got the story because... You know, in, in at least that episode that I watched, because the young lady was telling the background. So we were hearing it as you guys were hearing it. And yeah. and I thought that was really cool. So, uh, yeah, what you're doing is actually a lot better than what I've seen out there. Well, thank you. That that honestly means a lot, because I know you've seen a lot. <laughs> Unfortunately, I have. <laughs> so Well, thank you. So let's get into this. So right now... You've got your, you said you're down to your three people right now. It's yourself, uh, the good friend, and your son. That's Clayton yes. is your friend. and uh, I mean, Clayton is your son, correct? And then Carter's the friend? Carter's my son. He's 22 years old. The only one of my kids that's brave enough to go along on these investigations with me. I've taken all of my children, and the other two are like, no, I'm done. This one's like, give me more. So I'm like, well, let's go. And then Clayton, I've known since he was like 12 years old. We used to work in the haunted attraction industry and Clayton was a, an actor there and, and he, he started working with us with our day job and come to find out he was totally into this as well. And just the three of us, we just mesh so very well together. And I don't know if it's our personality types or the way we go after it, but we're getting the evidence that's insane. It, I'm blown away every time. We actually, last night, we just did a Facebook Live where we did commentary on um, one of the episodes that we just recently released. And we're sitting there watching it, and I'm like, you know, why don't we freak out every time the Wonder Box actually literally answers our question anywhere? I'm like, are we just so used to it that we're like, oh, okay, let's just have a conversation. <laughs> and it's crazy. We do. <laughs> I, w- I want to switch uh, gears a little bit and talk about your day job, if we could. Sure, absolutely. So why don't you tell everybody what you get to do as a day job? Because I think there's going to be a lot of envious people out there. I do have a really, really cool job. My husband and myself, we own Celeb Photo Ops. What that is, is we travel all over the country and the world. Actually, I've already been to Australia, London, and Germany this year. And we follow conventions like Walking Dead conventions, Comic-Con conventions, and horror conventions. 
we go there and we set up the photo ops. So, you know, when you see people post on their Facebook page, this nice professional photo with themselves and their favorite actor from The Walking Dead or Arrow or Star Wars or anything like that, my company um, takes those photos. We set up the sales of it. We run the customer service for it. We actually run all the line. We organize chaos is what we do for a living. But in the end, you get a really cool photo with a really cool celebrity. You know, when you say organize chaos, I normally wouldn't have known what you meant. But <laughs> we were just at Scarefest this past year, September, and Robert England was there. Oh, Robert's my guy. We had we sat and watched people who had gotten their 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 paid for their photo op beforehand and watched them stand in line for seven, eight, nine hours just to get Robert England to sign their picture oh, or whatever. Photo ops didn't take that long, did they? No, no, I no. No, the photo ops didn't. It was waiting in line to see him. But I can only imagine the fact that of somebody that that popular. And all we could sit and think about, because this is just the way my mind works, I'm sitting there doing math. I'm like, okay, for this photo op with Robert England, if you did this, it was like $125. And it was 150 if you got this one with it. And if you got Kane and him, it was two. And all I could think of was all those people that were in line all day long, if all those people bought tickets... That guy had to be making a couple hundred thousand dollars a weekend just on photo ops. And it I just, want a celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, it just, yeah. It just blew me away. I mean, I'm just sitting there thinking, thinking there was no way I would ever thought there would be that many people that would pay the kind of money that it takes to get some of these pictures. I mean, you know, I've seen people were paying two twenty five, two fifty to have him and Kane both in the picture. And I'm like, my goodness. I just. Some of the cast ops we do, like we'll do a uh, cast off of the TV show Arrow. And there's like 10 of them in there. You do the math. Just saying. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's amazing. And, and so how did you get started? I mean, I understand how you could get started, but how did you get in with some of the bigger names like that? I mean, is it just because of the reputation you've built? It honestly is. Actually, it's a funny story how we got our start. Um, we, My husband and I decided we, we were going to be independent filmmakers. And we were going to start with the horror genre because that's where everybody starts. And we were at a horror hound convention in Indianapolis. So my, my husband and I went to our first horror convention, which was Horror Hound Indianapolis. And um, we were helping out the, the runners of the show, um, grabbing celebrity guests from the airport and taking them because we knew some people within the industry there. And we met one of uh, David, who was a handler for one of the celebrities. Asked what we did for a living. You know, we used to design websites and do website photography. And then we got into the, the indie horror world. Well, next time he comes around, well, we have Sid Haig and our photographer backed out. He wants to do um, Captain Spaulding in costume and makeup. Do you guys think you can do that? We're like, sure, why not? It'll give us something to do with the show. And then we realized you can make money doing this. So <laughs> the rest, as they say, is, is history. And my husband is honestly the genius behind it all. He's always tweaking it. I mean, our from from the time 
you have your photo taken 45 seconds later, you have that photo in your hand. So then you can, like you said, turn around and go take it to Robert England. Our, our big celebrity that, that just, I love him to death, but he's got a lot of fans is Norman Reedus. I shot him for five hours this last month in London straight, just photo after photo after photo. It's photo ops are pretty hot right now. I think they're actually, especially in the walking dead in the, the um, comic con world. They're, they're almost bigger than autographs at this point. Yeah. I would much rather have a photo op than an autograph. I mean, cause anybody can fake an autograph, but I mean, you got your picture with somebody that says something. I know. I feel I feel the exact same way. And I believe that. I mean, I, I think that's why there's been so much growth in this industry over the last couple of years. Now, obviously, we've gotten completely off topic, but <laughs> I do, man. I have OCD, ADHD. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm, I'm the one that got us off this way because I get fascinated by these things and we hadn't talked about it. So, you know, I figure if I'm interested, so are everybody else. So yeah. oh. of the of the celebrities that you've got a chance to work with. Who are a couple that had just came across as absolute, the nicest people you've ever met and kind of even surprised you because they were so nice and personable? Are you a Doctor Who fan at all? I'm personally not, no. Okay. Well, David Tennant, I was such a fangirl to begin with. And he is just the sweetest man on the planet who sounds like a leprechaun. It was absolutely (laughs) David Tennant who blew me away the most. I, I wasn't sure what to expect. And you know, you never, I mean, Chris Evans is wonderful. I mean, Tom Hiddleston, absolutely amazing. It's, it's, it just, look, everybody, you know, I'm not going to mention any names, but there are a few out there that when I see them show up on my schedule, I'm like, Oh God, not again. But (laughs) you know, nine times out of 10, they're just a complete utter joy to work with. I'll tell you who surprised me the most out of the people that we got to meet at Scarefest was Danny Trejo. Oh, my God. He's adorable. Oh, my God. He was sitting out there where everybody else was keeping to their schedule. And, you know, he was out there. He'd come out from behind the table. He was holding babies and playing with the babies and telling people to take free pictures. And, I mean, it was just like he was so unbelievably nice. It just totally surprised me. Oh, I know. I was nervous the first time I met him because I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, it's Danny Trejo. First of all, I was blown away with, I was like a whole six inches taller than he was. I was, was going to say, it's like five, four or something. He's a little <laughs> bitty. And he was just wonderful. I totally agree with you. So, okay, let's get back on subject. Okay. You guys spent some time in Whisper House. How long was you in there? Um, We were probably in there, say, seven, eight hours. I gotta keep trying. I keep saying Whisper House. I know it's Whisper Estates. I don't want them getting all huffy and puffy Whisper on me. They, I mean, ask the end of Whispers. Yeah, they, they, yeah, Whispers Estates. I mean, my God, they put a sign up in the front of the place. They got to get it right. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, we're we're going to talk about in this show. There are believers and there are non-believers. What are your thoughts? After being in there, what what did what kind of energies and stuff did you pick up? Give me some hot spots in the house. Just ramble on for a little bit about your experiences in there and what your thoughts are. So we went into Whispers Estates. I live like half hour, forty five minutes from Whispers Estates, and so the the stories I've heard over all the years and 
And the crew finally just said, let's just bite the bullet because we couldn't get a deal. Sometimes we can get a deal because we film and give them publicity. They weren't budging. Um, but so I said, okay, everybody pitching their money. Let's go. Let's, let's check it out. There's got to be something there. I mean, we've been the stories just forever. So we go, the place is actually very cool. The one nice thing about it, because of some locations we go to are just so nasty is it's clean. The people who give you the tour and are there while you're investigating are very nice, very uh, personable, which was all great. So we did our initial tour and walked through the place and it was hot and we went up to the attic first and I wasn't sure it because they, they had mentioned something about maybe a portal being up there or something. I honestly think it was just the heat getting to us and that's why we felt dizzy up there, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, and, and going throughout the place, I just, I'd heard the stories and I'd walk into the rooms and I, 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 I been told I'm an empath. I believe I'm an empath. It doesn't make sense to me yet. I'm still working on that. So I do feel energies at a lot of these places. And we're, we're in Rachel's room where that was the place I was so excited to be because I wanted to communicate with this child and, and with the, the little mentally challenged boy who was in the other room, I wanted to communicate with him as well. And I just didn't feel it in there. And then we went into the servants quarters on the second floor and I opened the door to the closet. I hadn't heard any stories about this closet and I opened up this closet and I just felt like a, a wall of energy just hit me, smacked me in the face, which I'm like, Oh, this might be fun. <laughs> so, they said they keep the door shut because they don't know what's in there. It's just a dark, demonic, you know, type energy, which I hear demonic. I instantly think, yeah, right. Um, I'm trying to be as PC as possible here, but I don't believe in demons. Anyway, um, it was just really intense in there. So then we went down to the main floor and the, the, master bedroom that was supposed to be the doctor's office where the doctor was inappropriate with women and this, that, and the other. It didn't feel a whole lot in there. The spirit medium that was with us felt really uncomfortable in there. But like we discussed earlier, I'm not your average paranormal investigator. I don't take shit from these spirits at all. I really, truly don't. Um, so that could be why I didn't feel that. I don't know. I was going to say, I think that was the original words to uh, Ray Parker's Ghostbusters was, uh, I don't take shit from no ghost. And he, had to, he had to change it just for radio play. But <laughs> I need a t-shirt that says that. <laughs> uh, now, in the waiting room, what was supposed to be the waiting room outside that master bedroom there, we did get some um, spirit box answers that were really, really dead on. I don't know who it was we were talking to, but he said that he was he was there because of maternity. The word maternity came over, and the word fell came over, and then like right before we were about to close up the investigation in the room. That same voice that gave those two answers said, lost the baby. So I was, you know, in tears and, and just broken hearted, which was, it's going to sound terrible, but it was really cool to get that 
kind of communication <laughs> and verify that it maybe it was a doctor's office. Now, whether he mistreated his female patients, who knows? Then we went down to the basement. Um, really, you know, any basement in an old house is going to be creepy. Yep. So it felt creepy, not going to lie. So we went on and did our thing. I told you a little bit about the, uh, the spirit box activity in the waiting room. Um, we got no activity in Rachel's room or the, the little mentally challenged voice room whose name I can't remember. I'm terrible at names. But when we got to that closet, it just, it, the energy was just freaky. It, it was intense. It was, I don't know. I, I don't know how to explain. The spirit medium said she felt as though it was a mentally challenged uh, female in her 20s that had been locked up for several years. Now, I'd, I'd never heard that story at this location before, so I don't know, but I really trust Molly and, and the feelings she gets. And Molly was seeing some really weird stuff around one of our other investigators, like would look at him and see two of them, which she'd never had that happen before. But while that happened, which was probably some of the coolest evidence we've ever got before in our life, it wasn't an orb. It wasn't dust. It wasn't a mist. It wasn't, it was like a pinpoint of light we captured on our IR GoPro that went up the door, not floated. It looked like it was rolling up the door, turned the corner onto the wall, and then went off a little bit more until it disappeared. But the funny thing is, is I had seen someone else's evidence from Whispers where they got that same like rolling ball of light on a floor in another room. And I'd never seen that anywhere else. I've never captured that kind of evidence anywhere else before in my life. But the energy was intense in that room the entire night. Sometimes, you know, as you investigate, you get more comfortable. It kind of dissipates. It didn't around that closet. And then the last crazy, crazy thing, we decided to do a Ouija board session. Half of my crew is terrified of them. I love them. I don't see them as anything different than using a K2 or a spirit box or a dowsing rod. It's it's a way to communicate with spirit. Hollywood just tend to demonize it. I am rambling. If you need me to stop, you let me know. <laughs> I told you to ramble. <laughs> okay. I listened. <laughs> um, but this is the first legit Ouija board session I had done since I was 16. Not even going to lie. And when I was 16, I went out in the middle of the night and tried to burn the thing. That's how intense that one was. <laughs> um, and it, the just, so I, I trust my crew. I completely trust my crew. And the, the person I was doing the Ouija board session with is the biggest skeptic I've ever met before in my life. And the whole time he's going, holy shit. Are you moving this? Holy shit. Are you, it, it, it's actually quite beautiful to watch. Um, but we asked it where it was from and it said, it spelled out Omaha. Um, his name was Lem, L-E-M, Lem. Asked if I could call him Lemmy and he said, yeah. Um, but then we asked him where the portal was in the house. This, this 
Oh, I get goosebumps thinking about it every time. He spelled out here. H-E-R-E. Oh, my freaking God. <laughs> that was insane. So that that was the experience I had. I didn't get to have any of the experiences there I wanted to have. Sadly, I, like I said, I really wanted to talk to Rachel. That's, you know, living in Bloomington, Indiana, 30 to 40 minutes from Whispers Estates. That's what everybody talks about is the little girl who was burned Christmas morning and, you know, this tragic, tragic story. I didn't, we didn't get anything from her. So, so. Let, me ask, let me ask you this one in regards to Rachel. Yeah. I've heard stories that, um, she was snuck down there. It was dark. She's looking at Christmas presents or trying to look peek at Christmas presents. I've heard two different versions of this. One was there. She had a candle and got too close to the flame. And the other is there was like a lantern or something that she knocked over. What do you commonly hear? I think it's the lantern. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm getting both Octagon Hall and Whispers of States mixed up there. Yeah, and the Oct- Octagon, she got too close to the fireplace and caught her dress on the fire. Fireplace. Yeah. And I thought for a second that was Rachel, but no, it was, it's the lantern is what I normally hear. Okay. That's that's what I kind of thought too. But like I said, you'll hear six or seven that say one, then you'll hear one, two that say something else. And you're, you're like, you yeah. kind of want to go with the most. So. So and I'll, it's honestly been like a year and a half since I was there. And so I don't even remember what exactly was said during the tour. So I apologize for that. That's okay. I wouldn't expect you to watch your own uh, videos. I don't listen to my own stuff. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> so if I was to pin you down and say, what are your thoughts? Is Whispers Estate haunted or not haunted? What would your answer be? I would say it's haunted. It's that whatever that energy is in that servants, not servants. I always get this mixed up. I'm north of the river, so we didn't have servants here. No, we had servants, not slaves. So it was in the <laughs> servants' quarters. <laughs> I took on Hall Whispers Estates, getting them messed up. Okay, good. And there was something there. I don't know what it was. I really don't. I couldn't. I, it, it didn't. It didn't communicate with me like it did Molly. But like I said, I really, truly trust Molly. I really, truly do. And she was terrified of that spirit. Kitsy, it's been fun as hell having you on the show. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. I had a blast. Why don't you tell everybody how they can keep up with what you guys are doing? Oh, I just, like last week, revamped our website. So go check it out. It's got... Everything you can imagine about us on there. It's oddityfiles.com. It's got links to our YouTube, our Vimeo, our Facebook, our Twitter. Our, we're even on Twitch. Still trying to figure that one out. My son talked me into that one. <laughs> um, we've got a brand new episode coming out this Friday. Um, definitely check it out. We're at the Harrodsburg Herald. We went to CryptidCon out in your neck of the woods. And it's all in this upcoming episode. So definitely check it out. All right, dear. Thank you so much, and I'll talk to you soon because we talked about possibly setting up a joint venture. I think that should happen. We'll definitely talk about it. Thank you, darling. Take care. Bye-bye. You see what I was talking about with her? Yes, she is quite the character. We were talking. It was funny. We were talking back and forth, and um, I said, like, one thing to her on, on Twitter after we get this thing set up. And she went on this big, long, you know, <laughs> sentence after sentence. And she's like, she's like, I'm sorry. I just go on and on because I live for this shit. <laughs> it's, 
See, that's my kind of ghost hunter. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, and then I, I thought it was completely fascinating to know that they fell completely into by accident taking all these pictures at these celebrity Comic Cons uh-huh. and all this stuff. I mean, could you imagine just one day you're just picking people up from an airport to help somebody out? Next thing you know, you're traveling around the oh world. Oh, gosh, no. That is amazing. Taking Good for pictures them. like Robert England and yes. stuff. I mean, how cool is that? That's really cool. Good for you guys. So, yeah, she was super fun. And, and uh, like I said, I would highly urge everybody to check her show out, Oddity Files, on um, on uh, YouTube. So, I want to do these close together. So, now we heard the pros. Mm-hmm. Now, let's hear the cons. Okay. Uh, Chris Weber, Paranormal Skeptic Academy. It's named that for an exact reason. This was a different kind of interview. I, I I didn't know a lot about Chris when we started this. Uh didn't have a lot that I could research on. Uh Ninja was right here the whole time, as you'll hear in the interview as well. And I found Chris completely fascinating to even after we did the interview, I went back now and listened to like four more shows. So, good. yeah, I really like his take on it because you would think initially he would come across kind of like a smart ass or something or just, but he's not. He's very respectful on how he does this stuff. So good. let's take a listen to Chris. All right, cool. I've got a special guest on the phone. His name is uh, Chris Weber and he's the host of the Paranormal Skeptics Academy. And I had Chris on because earlier we had Kitsy on to tell us about her experiences uh, with the Whispers Estates. As far as from a doing a paranormal investigation and the things that she found. Now, Chris, as you could probably guess already by the name of his uh, YouTube channel and his podcast, Paranormal Skeptics Academy, finds ways to debunk some of these things. And Chris, what I like about you is your show to me was something completely different. I stumbled across it by accident actually researching uh, for this, the same way that I, I came across Kitsy and her group. But your show is different in the fact that the whole thing is solely based on these paranormal ghost hunting shows. And you kind of come on and pick an episode of a certain uh, show. And then you kind of just, I would say, almost do your own narration of what their show consisted of and then kind of poke holes in it. Would that be a good summation of what you do? Yeah, it's pretty accurate. The The way I envisioned the show initially was I was going to break down each series of paranormal reality shows. I started with Paranormal State. And before we go on any further, I used to watch these paranormal shows and accept what they presented as truth of the paranormal. So I was a believer in the paranormal prior to starting my podcast. Um, but when I started it, it was going to, I was going to do Paranormal State and then Ghost Hunters and then Ghost Adventurers and all the paranormal reality shows that I found out that there's just so many of them I had to pick and choose some of the better ones to kind of critique on an individual basis. All right. So with that being said, where do you stand now on the paranormal? Do you still believe in paranormal, but maybe just less skeptical or more skeptical of these ghost hunting shows? Or are you completely skeptical at all of the paranormal in general? Uh, after I've been doing this podcast since 2013, uh, so I've been doing it for quite some time. And at this point in time, uh, I have found no credible evidence to support paranormal claims, either from these paranormal reality shows 
or from individual paranormal investigations or reports of the paranormal from individual people. So in that case, I would, I'm still skeptical of the paranormal and I don't have any good evidence to say that the paranormal or paranormal uh, events are real. Is it fair to say that you think that it's possible that it's out there? You just haven't seen proof or are you just a, cause that's the true, the true meaning of a skeptic is basically, I don't necessarily believe, but I'm not totally dismissing it either. Well, there's two things. There's, there's things that are, it's possible or is it probable? Is it possible that the paranormal in some form exists? Uh, sure. I'm willing to, to say that. Is it probable based on what we know about our natural world and, and with science and physics and, and, uh, and uh, human biology uh, at this point? Is it probable the paranormal is real? No, it's probably not real. Well, that's not what I got from watching Scooby-Doo as a child, but, you know, <laughs> maybe you watch something different. I don't know. <laughs> Scooby-Doo is a very skeptical uh, cartoon, especially the early episodes. The newer ones, my kids are young now, are not so much. But the older <laughs> ones, are definitely a very skeptical uh, show. So what made you decide that, hey, I'm going to start the podcast? Was was it was you already skeptical then and you wanted to poke holes in this? Or was it something that you weren't as skeptical until you started doing the podcast? I was pretty skeptical at that time. Um, at that time, I, I had another podcast going uh, called C-Web Sunday School, where it was more uh, looking at religious claims. Uh, and I wanted to do something a little different uh, with that. So in the beginning, I maybe did an episode once every three or four months. And eventually, I stopped the other podcast and started doing this one full time on a monthly basis. But when I first started it, yeah, I was already skeptical and I already uh, practiced um, skepticism with other topics as well as paranormal. Okay, fair enough. So let me ask you this. When it comes to the Whispers Estates, which is what we're doing this episode on, you on your show covered uh, a couple of guests that we've already had on the show, John E.L. Tenney and Chad Lindbergh. They were uh, doing an episode for Ghost Stalkers back when they were doing that. And that's that's been, well, I think, 2013, 14. It's, it's been a while back. Mm-hmm. And this was an episode that you kind of got in and, and cracked. And I've done a lot of research on this place. And you pointed out something really, really good in your show, which was when you try to research some of these places, the only real information, especially on a house, is on paranormal sites. Right. And as you pointed out, a lot of it tends to come uh, almost verbatim, word for word, from the actual, in this case, Whispers Estates website. Right. So, so it does make it kind of tough to find new information. But you had some information on your show that I hadn't heard anywhere else, which was the main reason that I sent you a message to try to get you on the show. So I'm not going to lead you into um, basically that. I just want you to kind of I know you had to go back and refresh yourself because this has been three or four years ago when you did this right. episode. But kind of tell me your take on the Whispers Estates and what you found out that makes it less credible than most of the news that's out there. Well, the way I start researching an episode, especially in the in the early years of this podcast, was I would find a, a show I'd want to research. Ghost Stalkers, like you said, just came out. Um, it's interesting that that was the first Ghost Stalkers episode I did, and when I posted the episode. I tagged John Tenney in the um, in the tweet, and he listened to it as much as he could. And he said, "Okay, I got so much stuff wrong." 
not on the Whispers of State stuff, but on his personal background, which I, in the beginning of the episode, I go into some personal backgrounds of the host. Uh, and if the show is new and people aren't familiar with the host, I'll do that. I'd actually kind of, I actually did an interview with John shortly after that, um, uh, about, uh, not necessarily Whisper of States, but about his methods of the paranormal and, and if he's skeptical or not. So it's a very interesting interview if you want to go back and listen to it. Uh, he said a lot of things that I agree with, some stuff I didn't agree with. So when I start out, I want to find out as much as I can about a place. And with Whispers of States, like you said, it's a house. Like how much history can you really find on a house? If someone's doing a historical location, it's a little easier because there's history about it. And so I used my Google Foo and I, I searched and, and I looked at some skeptical sites and uh, I found a very good article written by my now good friend, Kenny Biddle. Uh, it was an article for the CSI, the Center for Inquiry. And he actually visited the Whispers uh, estate uh, physically. He actually went there and, and did his research. So a lot of the stuff is based off of his article. And what Kenny found and um, what any good investigator will do, uh, he went in and actually listened to the claims of the people who, who, who've investigated the place or the people who own the place. Um, and then he walked around and used his investigation knowledge to kind of determine what could be happening. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with Joe Nickel. Um, he's probably one of the most well-known paranormal investigators, skeptical paranormal investigators. And the first thing Joe says when he goes into an investigation is, can this be hoaxed? And if it can be, how? And so if you go in with that mindset when you're investigating a place, if someone was going to fake this, how would they fake it? And that's what my friend Kenny did. So he went in and he recorded himself singing a song, Ring Around the Rosie, and, and saying things like Mommy, Mommy. And he had some friends with him. He had his, uh, his wife with him. And he went down into the basement and he found an air duct where, uh, for, for the air conditioning unit, the HVAC. And he started playing his recording of himself singing and him saying Mommy, Mommy and stuff like that. And then he asked his friends, like, listen for this and tell me if you can hear it. And they heard it pretty well um, coming through the air vents and stuff like that. And so his investigation went further and further and further. And he actually went into a crawl space. And in that crawl space, he found a little stereo speaker strategically placed along a support beam next to, next to an open air vent. He traced the wire back and the wire actually went into a little workshop area where he found various disassembled electronic equipment. One of them was a CD player. The wire wasn't plugged into anything at this point. And so he kind of put two and two together and said, well, if I were to hoax this, if I were to have people have these experiences, what would I do? Well, I would hide a speaker next to an air vent, especially in an old house, play an audio recording and tell people the place is haunted. And that was, that was, that's the conclusion he drew. And based on what he said and my conversations with Kenny's over the years, I'm willing to accept his conclusion based on the evidence he found. Now, there was a, something else that I found that Kenny didn't find. And there was actually a, now take this for a grain of salt, I only found one source for it, so um, you could be skeptical of this source. But it kind of fits in with the pattern of the place. There was a guy who worked for Sony, and he wrote a letter to the Ghostly Talk radio show. And he said he analyzed the alleged audio clips that people have captured at Whispers Estates. And he concluded that they were all the same recording. That everything people heard at that point in time said the same thing over and over again. Now, in science, that's repeatability. Like, okay, we have a, a, a data set and it's repeated over and over again. So that should be a good thing. Well, if you add in the evidence of the speaker and the, the disassembled audio equipment, it kind of leads you to believe that maybe this was a recording. 
the guy said it was the same tone, the same inflection, same delivery, no variation between all the all the uh, audio recordings he, he was able to analyze. It didn't say how many he was able to analyze. It didn't say where he got them from. So again, just take this for what it is, but combine it with the other evidence. It seems to me that the the origin of the Whispers of State's legend started with this audio equipment playing a recording of a voice and people interpreting it as a paranormal event. And see, and that's, that's what I found. You, you completely nailed everything about the episode I listened to of your show uh, of the things that I, I would say would really uh, make you have to just dispute most of what's went on here. Uh, because you, it's, you hear the stories and it's fun to believe and mm-hmm. you want to believe. I think, I think most people probably want to believe, but sure. then when, when you hear stories like this, it's like, now I don't know if I can believe anything. Right. You know, now there's been plenty of paranormal investigators that's went there that said, Oh, I had this feeling. I had a psychic with me. I had this. I had that. But still, now you, now you wonder, okay, is there really something there? You know, um, maybe this guy, you know, you, there's some stories in the past of, of places to where it's like there were things happening right. and nobody would believe them. So to try to help, you know, be like, well, this stuff only happens when you're not here. But since there's going to be people here, let me do this. So they see it and then they end up getting caught doing something like that and they lose all credibility, but it didn't necessarily mean something wasn't going on. They just forced it a little bit to try to let everybody else see what they were seeing. So, but, but who knows if that's the case here or not, or who knows if the paranormal investigators like the uh, uh, Kitsy that I had on earlier, you know, maybe they were influenced by what they already, you know, knew of the story of the place and, and maybe, you know, that has some kind of effect on it. I mean, I I don't know, but it's, it's I don't don't know what her specific, uh, experience was, um, and I'll learn after after you post the show. Uh, but based on everything that I have seen and written and read over the years, um, it seems to me that people will want to experience the paranormal. Now, I, I'm not one of those skeptics who just said whoever believes the paranormal is is dumb, they're stupid, and they're wrong. Right? I feel that people do believe they have experiences. People, if you say you had a paranormal experience, I believe you believe that. Okay. I'm not going to question what you've experienced, but I am going to question what the source of that experience was. So if you have a, if you're preconceived to believe the paranormal and you go into the whispers of states and you catch an EVP, which is maybe some static and some pattern recognition and some pareidolia, and you already understand the story of like people hear whispers of this little girl or this mother through the air vents and through the room, you're, you're going to contribute that EVP you, you received to that story. But if that story is based on the falsehood, does that mean that your experience is any less valid or is your evidence is any less valid? You know, I, I'm not going to put words into to, to her mouth or whoever investigated their mouth, but to me, is if you're influenced by the story and you think you found an EVP, but we know the story to be not true, the original story not true, what's that say about your EVP and the evidence you presented? Well, I'll tell you what I always thought was funny. And, and you know, just so you'll know where I'm coming from, I believe in the paranormal without a doubt. I've had my own experiences that I think are unexplainable. As some, you know, a lot of people have, but at the same time, I'm also very skeptical 
of everything that I hear. I don't automatically assume, oh, this house was haunted. I, I'm, I'm one of these people. I don't believe that the Amityville house had anything really going on. It was strictly a hoax. That's my yeah. personal opinion. Um, now, could it be? I mean, there were, you know, what, six murders in the house. Um, so who knows, you know, if, if you believe what everybody says about the paranormal, that if somebody who loses their life suddenly or unexpectedly are the ones that tend to hang around, I mean, that's fine. But, you know, I hear like when we did our interview with John Tenney, you know, he, he mentioned, um, you know, near death experiences. And I asked him, you know, is it possible that when somebody says they had a near death experience that maybe they were hallucinating basically for lack of a better word, because they just suffered, you know, some kind of major trauma. You know, and he agreed, yeah, that could be the case. Or, you know, he brings up a lot of really cool points of, you know, well, how did this ghost make a sound when it doesn't have a mouth? You know, you hear whispers, but ghosts don't have mouths. So how do you, how does it make a sound? And, you know, I like that he looks at stuff from those viewpoints and it, but it gets you thinking. And, you know, I'm like, like you said, a perfect example of what you were saying is the Myrtle plantation. You know, the story out of Myrtle's, one of the biggest stories is Chloe the slave and this happened and she poisoned these people, you know, his, his wife and his daughter by accident mm-hmm. just to nurse them back to health. They, you know, they died. And, and then when you start getting into it, there's no record of them ever having a servant named Chloe. You know, there's no, the, the mother and daughter did not even die, you know, anywhere near that time. They died later years of, you know, regular illnesses. And, but what's the main site that everybody sees? Oh, it's Chloe. Right. It's Chloe. Yeah. And when I hear uh, something like whispers, uh, a state, you know, uh, oh, they could, they could hear Rachel running up and down the stairs. Well, how the hell you know it was Rachel running up and down? You, you hear, <laughs> you hear ghostly footsteps. I, I, I'll give you that, but how can you determine who it was? You know? Well, I think, I think that's the key component there. Um, because my show focuses on the paranormal reality shows and I've gotten responses from paranormal investigators. Oh, that's not how investigations work. And I understand they're, they're making a TV show. Um, it's a real quote unquote reality TV show and, and they, they structure it and edit it and make it seem the way they want it to seem. I get that part. Uh, but what I've noticed is a trend that, uh, over the years, life imitates art and vice versa. So like you said, with the Myrtle estate, if there is a story that is associated with a paranormal event and a paranormal investigating group comes in and they happen to find evidence of that event, but the event never occurred or there's no historical record of it. What does that say about the paranormal in general? But what about your investigation techniques? Why should I accept your results and conclusions if you can't even get the basic history of a place correct? No, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's, the way you have to look at it, but unfortunately, that's the part that's, like I said, everybody loves a good story. But if there's no credence to it, I mean, it's still a good story, but it makes it hard when you're trying to prove it and you're trying to show evidence of something that you know definitely did not happen. Well, my my whole take on paranormal in general is you you have to satisfy certain assumptions for me to accept your conclusions, right? So first of all, um, you, A, you have to convince me that there's something about us that lives on after we die, whether it's a soul, energy, what have you. You have to establish that fact first. And to me, that has not been uh, satisfied scientifically to this point in time in history. So even then, from the very beginning, you're going to have an uphill battle convincing me of the paranormal. So 
say say like you said with the Amityville horror, you know that the 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 son killed his family members in a brutal fashion. Well, that that really did happen. Everything else after that, it's been pretty well documented that it was made up by the family that moved in after him um, as as a cash grab. But you say if someone dies in a traumatic fashion, does that leave an energy behind? Okay, well, where does this energy come from? What determines a a traumatic death? How do we test that? How do we know that even can happen? All those have to be satisfied first before I can accept claims of, oh, this is an EVP or this is a residual haunt or this is uh, an intelligent haunt. That, to me, hasn't been satisfied yet. That's why I remain skeptical of the paranormal. So let me ask you this on that subject. You, you talked about you had another show at one time that was more religious-based. What, what exactly did that show entail? Give me an example of what an episode would be on that show, what you would talk about. Uh, so I would examine very religious claims. Um, so, like, I did a episode. One of the first episodes was on the Ten Commandments and how they're presented in the Bible is there's not really Ten Commandments and there's two sets of them. Um, and as time went on, I, I more focused on, like, uh, creationism uh, on how creationists get the history wrong or the, they misinterpret um, artifacts or uh, uh, they misinterpret the Bible and associate it with different events that didn't happen like Noah's flood trying to like debunk stuff like that from 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 religion um, the Quran says uh, uh, Muslims will say that the Quran predicted certain scientific advancements I looked at stuff like that uh, so it's basically taking the skeptical eye to religious claims Interesting. So, so when it comes to – and the, reason, the point I was trying to make is I didn't know – I hadn't listened to that show, so I didn't know the direction that that show went in. But it sounds very similar to what you're doing now because my question was going to be, you know, if you took the stance on that show of it was more of a religious – as far as a belief standpoint, that – you know, because I always question, you know, if somebody can believe in God – and they believe that there's an unseen being that's a higher energy and all that, how can you not believe in paranormal because they're kind of one and the same? Right. Um, so that's what I was curious of, of, of what that show was, but it sounds like your belief system is straight across the board. Yeah, the, the, with the original show, um, I could approach it the same way as Paranormal Skeptic Academy. I wasn't crude or rude or disrespectful. I tried to present things in a fair and reasonable manner. Same thing with the paranormal. Um, with Paranormal Skeptics Academy, there's some times where I do get frustrated and, and, and heated in some situations because <laughs> of the sheer stupidity of what's presented to me on the TV. Now, again, I want to stress I'm, I'm critically examining the TV show and what they present as evidence. Um, so that has no bearing on, on a, a person's specific experience. And when I do that, I don't focus on the people who've had experiences because, again, I'm, I'm sympathetic towards them. I believe they do experience something. I do focus on – I'll call them charlatans that try to take advantage of people um, in these certain situations. So, yeah, going back to your point about a higher power or a god, um, it, it stands to reason if you believe in that certain – uh, aspect of the universe, yeah, then the paranormal seems more plausible. And what I've noticed over the years is that there's a strong religious component to paranormal experiences. And there's even been some research on saying the, your, the cultural awareness that you're brought up in, in the certain religion you're brought up in, you're more experienced, you're more um, apt to experience paranormal events relating to that specific religion. So here in the U.S., we're we're, we're made up of majority of Christians, so a lot of our paranormal experiences evolve revolve around ghosts um the afterlife souls uh 
uh, stuff like that. In, say, like the Middle East or in like a Buddhist or a Hindu country, uh, the experiences are a little different uh, than what we experience here in the U.S. Now, I was talking to a friend of mine who's got a um, uh, very religious background as far as studies in college, and which is funny because he's not a religious guy at all. Uh, he's more he's more probably atheist than even agnostic, but yet he studied religion in school just because right. he found it interesting. Yes. And um, you know, he was talking about that he would think China, even though they have the most populated country in the world would probably have the least amount of paranormal experiences just because of their religious beliefs. And, mm. you know, I mean, it's an interesting theory, but I, I've not seen any stats to, to back it up or not back it up because I haven't really looked for them. Mm-hmm. But it is a fascinating fascinating concept. If they don't really believe in an afterlife, it would probably make sense that there's not as many paranormal, you know, what they deem to be paranormal occurrences over there. Yeah, that would be a good uh, topic for research, really. Um, if, if anybody's out there listening who has the resources to do that, that'd be extremely fascinating. I'd be extremely uh, excited to hear the results uh, of that of, of a study of that type, uh, because there is, like I said, there is a cultural and religious component to the paranormal. And if a country who, on the surface, is is atheist, atheistic or no religion, um, do they have? more frequent or less frequent paranormal experiences. I think paranormal experiences is a shared human experience across the board, no matter where you were born. I think it's just part of being a human and the way our mind and brain works and the way it was evolved to work uh, over millions of years. So I think there would be some paranormal experiences there, but how it would be interpreted and how uh, they would explain it would be very interesting. Yep. I agree. Chris, I greatly appreciate you coming on tonight and, and spending some time. I know it was a very short notice for you this week. And um, unfortunately, I work on a whim a lot of times. I'll just get a crazy idea in my head and then <laughs> expect everybody to just say, can you make time, you know, tonight or first say. But um, we were able to get it hammered out, and I appreciate it. I know you had uh, guests and stuff in this week. Tell everybody how they can get a hold of you as far as social media, how they can um, listen to the show, find you on YouTube, and just shed some light on that for me. Sure, I appreciate it. Uh, so the website is paranormalskeptacademy.com. You can find all the latest episodes there. You can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, and all that good stuff. I'm on Twitter at cweb619. Um, there is a membership, patreon.com slash PSA, where you get extra bonus episodes each month and early access to the new release episodes. Um, and also I do um, uh, uh, the, the latest series I'm doing now is I'm examining the same location from five different paranormal reality shows across a almost 12 year span, starting with ghost hunters and ending with uh, uh, ghost asylum. So you're going to see the evolution of this place over the years from these different paranormal reality shows investigations. So I think it's a very interesting uh, way to, 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 to review these shows. So that's, that's what's coming up, coming up now. Yeah. It's a very interesting show. I'm not going to lie. It's, you know, I didn't know what to think first. Cause you know, like I said, I, I'm a little bit skeptic, but I didn't know when I heard the uh, premise of the show if it was going to be something that was really going to be tackily done, I guess, so to speak. And uh, <laughs> But it wasn't. I mean, it's, you have your opinion, and um, I could definitely – everything you were saying, there was some stuff that I didn't necessarily agree with. But from the standpoint of criticizing the show and how things were presented – I had a hard time arguing with it at the same time. So I thought I thought it was very entertaining, and uh, I'm definitely listening to other episodes. I've already listened to the 
Waverly Hills episode because that's right in my backyard and we're all doing a, uh, uh, well, me, my wife and I are doing two separate tours, uh, in a couple of weeks out there for uh, a big live event that we're doing. And, and we've sold a hundred tickets out that night for two live t- or two, uh, uh, the tours out there and it's going to be fun. So I, I thought I'd listen to see what you had to say about that and the ghost hunters, uh, that were out there that night, which it was actually was ghost hunter. So that one's a while back. But, yep. Yeah, really, really cool. I liked hearing your take on it, and uh, yeah, that's the that's the series I'm doing. So I'm doing Waverly Hills. I got Ghost Hunter, Most Haunted, Ghost Adventures, um, Paranormal Lockdown, and Ghost Asylum. They all investigated that location over the years, and so it's going to go in order from the earliest Ghost Hunters to the latest. So that's that's coming up in the next couple months. Oh wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I can remember because Ghost Hunters has been out there a couple of times. So are you going to be comparing like the multiple times, or just like one from each one? Uh, just their, their, their original one. I know they've been out, they did a live event out there one time too. So I'm just doing the first one. Um, and then I'll do the, the next ones after that. Most haunted ghost adventures and so on. So yeah, just that first time they went out there. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And I, you know, and, and I probably shouldn't say this, but you know, I know some of the people involved with Waverly, uh, just from proximity and, and what we do. And I know there were rumors that when they were out there for the live event, which was on Halloween, um, that there was stuff that wasn't necessarily natural going on, yes. if you know what I mean. So I've heard that complaint about ghost hunters frequently. Yeah, <laughs> to so, say I mean, the least. <laughs> I know, you know, I've talked to I've talked to Amy uh, Bernie on the show, uh, Adam Barry, and uh, of course Grant Wilson, who've all been part of that show, and you know they all left and they all seem to be on a very cordial uh, standing with each other. But it's, you know, I'm making an assumption because I've definitely not heard anything from these guys. But, you know, Adam, Amy and Grant, they all hang out, do events and stuff together. But Jason's not really part of it, but they never say anything bad about him. So, like I said, I'm just making an assumption uh, and reading between the lines. But some of the stuff that I've I've listened to with the interviews with with uh, those three that I just mentioned, you know, they'll be, you know, it's just I needed to get out of it because of this. I need to get out of it because of that. And it just makes me kind of believe that maybe it started out being uh, as honest as it could be. And then as time came uh, and went, that maybe it became a little more fictitious. And yeah. the people who were truly into it for the art part of it decided, ah, it's probably time to step away. Uh, like I said, they're creating a TV show. So they have to have an interesting story to tell. I, I fully accept that when Ghost Hunters first started, it was this honest and, and truthful look at these this group of people who do paranormal investigations. But as it evolved over the years and it got more and more successful, I, I would think that the need to present something more compelling was a pressure they felt. And maybe they had to do some things that weren't quite on the up and up. It's all speculation on our part, but you know, we, there's been reports. So do I fault them for that? Mm. No, but again, that's why I tell people it's a reality show. Take it for what it is, and 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 I'll try my best to poke holes in it and let you know what could be going on. Uh, it, it's it's no big shock to anybody listens to us because I constantly uh, pretty much dog Zach Baggins because I, <laughs> I, I mean you know I'm sorry, but you know you don't get possessed every time you walk into a yeah. place. You don't you know. You don't go in and start yelling and screaming and, you know, it's just, 
you don't just have all these different activities just happen week after week. I mean, I know plenty of paranormal investigators that'll go to a place and spend two, three nights and get, you know, nothing. You know, and, and they I just love accept to that. hate Zach Baggins. He's my worst favorite paranormal host on TV. I cannot stand the guy. He's strangely entertaining and charismatic. Yep. But I just know he's so full of shit. I just people ask me like, "Well, do you think he really believes this stuff?" Hundred percent. I don't think he does. I think he's just doing it to make money. Um, but. It's something about him that I, I, it's like a car crash. I just can't look away from it. No, you're, you're 100% right. I mean, I don't watch the show anymore because he gets on my nerves, but I can yes. understand the appeal. Yes. So if, just, I, if I had to pick my, my favorite paranormal, I'll call it paranormal reality show, is Finding Bigfoot by far. <laughs> uh, if, 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 if there's anything that I, I would accept as being real, it's Bigfoot. And, and the Finding Bigfoot crew, my favorite on the team is Cliff by far. It, it, like he just seems like a genuine person. And the way he comes across on TV, I feel like he comes across that in, in, in real life. I had a couple conversations with him over Twitter and he's a really approachable guy and he's really nice. And if I had to hold up a model of someone to be on TV investigating these things, it would be Cliff. Now, Zach's the antithesis of that. He would be the worst example for anyone to follow on what to do during a paranormal investigation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, let's buy a demon house and let's just tear it down So right after I made a, an interesting uh, documentary about it. Have, have you seen Deadly Possessions yet? Uh, you know what? I saw a couple when I was researching Robert the Doll uh, again for a reboot. Because we did Robert the Doll back when it was me and another partner. And we, we picked a handful of episodes to redo in our new format. And that was one of them. And I happened to see that particular episode and didn't even realize it existed, to be honest with you, that show. And then as I'm watching that one, I'm like, could this show be any more fake? That's oh, all I could I, think I, about. I, I I did an episode on that, on that Robert the Doll uh, episode of uh, Deadly Possessions. It was probably maybe six months ago. Oh, great. And, it, and oh, yes, it, it, it was terrible. Uh, the poor lady who had the doll, she did not want to commit to anything. Um, and Zach was just feeding her stuff. And the way he creepily held the doll on his lap, like he was afraid the thing was going to turn around and like shoot spikes out of his eyes at him. It was, <laughs> it was so bad. It was like horror movie B, B horror movie bad. It was, it was tremendously bad. Well, that same episode had the, uh, uh, uh the Dybbuk box on it. And, yes. you know, you had the guy that was, you know, he's, he, he's just starting to cough and he can't quit. And, you know, Zach's all concerned and, and, you know, it's just, it's just strange. I mean, you got in there and then you, you, you just, it's like your throat tightened up and it's like, I don't know. I just, you know, and then yeah. what was it when, when, um, if you remember the Robert the doll part, the guy came in and made some kind of, he interrupted, uh, the young lady from the museum and Zach and came in and made some rude comment about the doll and he started, coughing and stuff in the back so they brought him back in to apologize, to apologize. And it was so over dramatic my goodness yeah. I he just... came in, he's saying hi and then he saw the doll and he screamed <laughs> and then he left and then Zach was like what he just did right there that was bad correct yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like you want me to say yes no what do you want me to say dude <laughs> <laughs> I tried to get that young lady. I sent her a message. I called and left her a voicemail and I sent her an email to try to get her on the show just to talk about the doll in general, not about that show, but oh, I didn't get it. 
Now to get a response back, so. You do. That'd be great. Sounds like, so Andrea Perrin will write me back to talk about her true life con dream, but the lady who's the curator at the museum in Key West won't write me back, but all right. I get it. Uh, I'm sure she regrets doing that show. I'm pretty sure she does. Oh, I guarantee she does. That's probably why she won't respond to anybody right now, I guess. I did not. That was not me. (laughs) Chris, brother, thank you so much for making time with us, man. It's been fun. I'll have to have you on again sometime. Sure, no worries. If anything you ever need, just give me a holler. All right, brother. So tell everybody one last time the name of the podcast. Yep, it's Paranormal Skeptic Academy, paranormalskepticacademy.com. And uh, there's a YouTube channel where I have full video versions that YouTube lets me put up. I usually get copyright dings for playing videos, video clips of the show. But every episode is available on the website, full video, non-edited, all there for your consumption. It's worth it, guys. Check it out. You'll be a big fan. Thank you. Now, obviously, most people will jump right on the reason why I like Chris so much is the fact that he hates Zach. And oh, yeah. had no problem criticizing him openly. So, yeah, he's instantly uh, near the top of my list now. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, I, I love, I really do love the show. If you get a chance, check him out. Now, he's got, like I said, un- unlike Kitsy, he actually has a podcast as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Five years worth. I mean, it's a lot of different stuff. Yeah. And as he said, it was it was funny because, you know, we brought up Waverly. And then he said, you know, obviously in the interview that he's going to do like a thing that's over like 10 years or something like that. I can't remember exactly how many years. But he was doing all the shows that have done one location. And that location just happened to be Waverly. Oh, no way. Yeah. So, like, there's been like a ton of shows all do Waverly. And he's over the years. So, he's doing mm-hmm. – He's going to put all of them kind of together and do them all in one show is how it's changed. Oh, wow. So I thought that was That would be cool. great. Guys, wraps up another week for us. I'm tired. Just letting y'all know. Yep. I can see that. And I'm tired, too. And the only thing I've really got to add, um, you guys are awesome. We've had a bunch of merch bought this week. You guys are yeah, fantastic. thank you all so much. We've had some ten dollar uh, Patreon supporters. We don't yes. talk too much about the levels, but if you if you donate ten dollars a month after six months, you get a free T shirt or item of your choice. You know. I mean, it doesn't seem like much, but at the same time, if you pay sixty dollars, you end up getting twenty five thirty bucks of it back in a T shirt. That's half your money. Right, that's so, true. And a lot of people buy the T shirts even without doing that. Yeah, so, we appreciate you all so so much. But we've had four different people that hit that milestone this month that have been. Yeah. And I think about that. I mean, we, we've had people that have paid us, you know, sixty, seventy, eighty, a hundred dollars over the time we've been on Patreon, and mm-hmm. that's. Phenomenal that we mean enough to you guys to where you yeah, would do that. So it is, and it's so funny. Our memories come up on Facebook, and it's about how we had, you know, seventy five thousand downloads, and remember we were so excited and stuff like that. And you guys are just amazing and have really blessed us. And I mean, we just—I know we keep saying thank you so much, but I really don't think you understand what it really does mean to us. And it's a fun thing that me and Jerry do together and we have got so many things coming up we've got the ohio show coming up we've got oh my gosh i don't even know yeah let's stop on the ohio show for a second because as we speak that is going to be when this comes out it'll be six days from then because this will come out sunday night and that'll be saturday the 14th so next saturday uh there are only as we speak 10 tickets left for Mm -hmm. that so if you live in the cincinnati area and you'd like to see ohio us and uh, mysterious circumstances, then 
There yeah, you go. by all means, come on out if it's not too far for you guys. We'd love to meet all of you guys, and I'm sure it's going to be um, crazy with those guys. I'm yep. looking forward to that. So. Absolutely. So that's 10 tickets, which means for us or for Ohio, yeah. that would be five couples uh, or single women coming to see Justin. That would be 10 <laughs> single women. <laughs> and that's buy- probably who the majority <laughs> is, so... <laughs> That's where I get on him all the time. But I'm, I'm telling you, when we did the Louisville show, that sold out. And you guys are so awesome. That thing sold out a month before mm-hmm. uh, the event. And I don't think there was one single ticket sold. Out of, out of over 60 tickets, no single tickets. We had 55 tickets available for this one. And there was like nine single tickets. And every one of them were single women <laughs> coming <laughs> to see Justin. Oh my gosh! I get it. He's great looking. <laughs> I don't know what you want to say. I, I get it. Well, you guys are going to be in for a treat because you know those guys are pretty funny and um, just we're we're honored to be you know in that group with them and and it's going to be fun and we cannot wait. So hopefully we'll see a bunch of you guys there. And we get to unveil our new T-shirts because yes. we've got us uh, we stocked up on some T-shirts mm-hmm. that are the new designs to bring up there. So yeah. that'll be fun. Yeah. So anyway, we're looking forward to seeing you guys, and we're counting down the days. Absolutely. So we love you guys. Keep doing what you're doing. We greatly appreciate it, and we will see you next week. Y'all have a blessed week. We love you. I will throw in right before we leave next week's show. I thought it would be fitting since we're. Going to be in the Ohio area. The live show will be the Ohio State Reformatory, which we will also be the show that you guys get Sunday night. Oh, great. So awesome. Thank you so much. And we'll see you there.